0: Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazines podcast. My name is Stephen Watson. I'm the founder of Stack, the service that searches out the world's best independent magazines and delivers them direct to thousands of readers every month. If you love discovering great new publishing from outside the mainstream, head over to stackmagazines.com and use the code podcast to save 10% when you join our independent magazine club. This week I'm speaking to Bardia Kushan, editor and art director of Autodidact, the magazine that brings together work by a wide range of artists and creative people. The second issue came out a few weeks ago, themed around the idea of mistakes, and I really enjoyed speaking to him about the different types of mistakes they included in the magazine, and particularly when he gets around to talking about his own mistakes in the making of this issue. I mean, I generally love it when magazine makers are open about the pitfalls of publishing. And as he says at one point in our conversation, you can't make an issue on mistakes and not embrace it yourself. I'm very pleased to say we have copies of Autodidacts available to buy in the Stack Shop. So head over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop if you'd like to pick one up for yourself. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bardia from Autodidact. Badia, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Uh,
1: thanks for having me. Pleasure.
0: Uh, so uh, it's been lovely to uh, finally meet you. the, the man behind uh, this, uh, this magazine, Autodidact, uh, which I've been watching for a couple of years now and, and enjoying. Um, maybe you could start just by telling us what exactly is Autodidact.
1: Well, Autodidact is kind of inspired by... How internet is making us all autodidact. Uh, the access of information, you know, we're just kind of like learning more than ever and faster than ever. And I just realized there was a shift. Uh, creatives are becoming more and multidisciplinary because it's just because it's so easy to learn new things and the softwares are becoming so much easier. So not that you learn faster, but you also can ex- execute it easier uh, in, a new, uh, in a new field. So I just thought it will be exciting to do a magazine which is kind of inspired by that and that's why it's a multidisciplinary thing so it's like we have, uh, we kind of like showcase all sorts of uh, creativity so it's like we kind of like approach it as one big field rather than two niche about just illustration or just fiction or just design.
0: I see, I see. Okay so an autodidact is somebody who is able to do lots of different things, is that right?
1: So, uh, autodidact means a self-taught person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and a self, and autodidacts usually they have that characteristic. They kind of like risk things. They're multidisciplinary because they just keep learning new things. So. Excellent. Yeah, and it just all comes from that, really.
0: I see, I see. Well, that makes um, a lot of sense. And, and I think particularly relevant then that the theme of this latest issue is mistakes. Because I guess if you're someone who teaches yourself everything, you're probably going to make some mistakes along the way.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's just like we try to find themes that are like directly related to that. And obviously mistake is one of the, one of the big things is you know, if you want to learn a new thing, you just kind of have to accept that as a part of it, rather than a hindrance or anything that will stop you from it. Yeah. yeah. So you just kind of like go with it with open arms and just embrace it.
0: So, so, so if this the, the the idea for the magazine Autodidact came from your own experience of being someone who is able to pick up these various different skills and and make a magazine out of it. It feels by extension then that maybe the idea of mistakes is also from personal experience is is this something that uh, are there any mistakes that you've made that have been particularly valuable in all of this
1: I mean just uh, going back to the first part of the question um, I like to say I always I mean I studied graphic design but then I you know I was doing photography and illustrations and I was trying to do like quite an eclectic thing and I was just getting a bit of inspiration from all sorts of things you know you can get inspiration from a movie for illustration or from a sculpture for photography so i just thought i just didn't want to only do one thing and uh, so that kind of like helped paving the way for this and i just thought you know and as i learned more of these different fields it just kind of makes sense to put them all together in in one magazine, mm, mm. and certainly along the way you make mistakes, and some of them you learn from, and some of them you keep making again, <laughs> <laughs> and some of them you can't uh, you can't undo, and you know they're just always failing. So I just thought it was such an enigmatic thing, and it was a bit like um, it's quite universal, so everybody on the, in the world will have some kind of like understanding of mistake but at the same time it's so there's so much doubt in it and it's just uncertainty so i thought it was really intriguing to Mm. kind of like go for that kind of thing Mm
0: -hmm. i i was really struck by the range of mistakes that you've got in this issue so i i guess in a way the when i first saw that that was the theme the type of mistake I was expecting is the type where you've got an artist or a creative person speaking about making mistakes and, and, you know, sort of that's kind of a part of their process. So the, I think the first interview is with an artist called Rodolfo Via Um, and he right. talks about, um, it basically, it's just really difficult painting people. And so you're going to get mistakes when, when you're doing that, I, I guess it, it, what was your thinking for starting the magazine with that interview?
1: I just think um, I always wanted to be multifaceted. It's like, just like you said, when you think of mistake, an immediate thing, you think of, okay, yeah, yeah, I just made some mistakes and that's what I learned from it. And then, then it was over. But it's not really like that, is it? It's just like, it's so, mistake itself is so multi-layered and it is so many perspectives of it. And I try to bring all that um, into magazine. I mean, we start with Rodolfo, which has a very different approach to it than, for example, Sylvia. Was talking about environment, and mm. then you have Brian who's talking about like all we do is making the same mistakes and same mistakes. So it was just important to bring a really varied uh, perspective from it. Some of them were, I mean, much more important and deep and some are more really like kind of
0: mundane. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, well, to, so to, to pick up on the mundane, I I loved the one that you've got in there of um, there's a, a studio uh, who talk about the mistake of not having enough insurance for the stuff that's in your studio, and they learned that after a break in, <laughs> which is I mean the, you know I I I've been there, I like you know move to a, a new office, get broken into literally the next day, and all your Macs have gone. Yeah, I
1: think it, I was talking to them, and we were discussing topic of mistake and what they can do, and then they said, okay, we'll have a think and come back to you in a couple of days, and then I just got an email saying, God, buddy, you don't know what happened, (laughs) like, we got broken into our, we lost everything, so we just think the best thing to do is um, to talk about not having insurance.
0: Gee, so that that literally happened to them, like, contemporaneously, that it happened, like, as you were talking to about the commission?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Eesh. just literally, we were in the process and it was the same week. So, and then they just said, like, I, th- I think it's clear, <laughs> clear what our mistake was. And wow. oh my God. again, that kind of like, the, the interesting thing about the magazine is, you know, because you don't have too much preconceived kind of structure, you kind of let go of it and see what happens. Mm. And I think that's very exciting, it's yeah. just the fact that they were trying to find some, meaning about mistaken in their life, and then suddenly there was a mistake on the front of their doorsteps. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah And, and actually... The
1: makes it
0: very intriguing. And, and, and that led to, so creatively speaking, that led to one of my favourite pages in the magazine, which is where, so you know, they, they've, inspired by that experience, they came up with like a, a painting in the style of that famous Magritte painting, but instead of a uh, pipe, it's a crowbar. The, like I just thought that that was a, a really uh, lovely kind of interpretation of, of what had happened to them.
1: No, absolutely. I think yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite. I thought it was like I really did not expect that <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I thought it was really interesting because there' the studio and the two of them, so they did very different things at the same time. Again, that comes from not having too much structure, mm. so you have the very graphic. Um, response by Sam and then you have that painting by uh, Emil. Mm, mm, mm. So I thought that was a very cool combination.
0: And, and you mentioned the um, environmental message as well. So um, there's a, a photo series on single-use plastics. So I mean, I guess then that is um, maybe stretching the definition of a mistake because you're, you know, our use of single-use plastics may be seen of eventually as a mistake but it's not something that happens mistakenly now so what what was the thinking in pursuing that particular avenue? Well,
1: I think when you talk about mistake these days I mean it's um, it's almost a given that you have to touch on the environments and what we're doing with it and I knew Sylvia Conde who was doing kind of like creating awareness about what we do with our environment with her photography so when I got in touch with her and um, we discussed it and she said uh, she was going to shoot so this series is shot in the course of two weeks where she keeps shooting the same flowers every day and obviously the flowers you see the process of decay where the flowers but these perfect plastics are just standing mm-hmm. holding them around them so the plastic is meant to be there for protection but what it's really doing is that it's killing the flowers in the end and they decay and then the flowers die. And uh, the plastic stay and the cover photo, I decided that because I just tried to, so it's a flower unwrapped in this plastic and it's kind of like dying. And I try to, I really get intrigued by things that say the most with the least. And I thought that was a really powerful photo to use. Um, it's just like you can, you immediately see, you know, you see that flower dying and then the mistake. Issue under it. It
0: mm. just like says it says a lot. Mm, mm, mm. So, what's your process then when you're when you're looking for that cover image? Did you when you were commissioning um, that story, were you thinking ah, we might get a cover image out of this, or, or did you even ask for something that could be shot as a cover image? Or actually, is it that you know once you're putting the magazine together and you see what you have in front of you, then you just start putting up different versions like under a masthead and, and seeing what it looks like.
1: Um, to be honest, if, I don't really have a process, <laughs> so it's a bit different <laughs> uh, about everything. I just, with, uh, but with most of them, I just, um, you know, I follow some creatives that I like. And for example, I decide to do something by environment and from the ones I follow, I kind of think, okay, Sylvia is doing something related to environment. And then I follow her for a while and I try to see her work and whether, you know, it would be the right fit. Um, for the last issue, I just kind of like got everything first and then decided what we didn't cover. But this time, I wanted this particular thing to be the main thing. Mm, mm. Uh, so there's the cover story, which is the longest and it's in the middle of the magazine. Uh,
0: right. So that that was that was planned from the start. And so then, so w- was w- was the whole shoot then um, shot specifically for you, or, or were you picking up on work that she'd already done?
1: Um, this particular thing was shot already, but it wasn't published anyway. So uh, as I knew, she was showing, uh, she was posting a lot of um, environmental related photography. I just talked to her, see if she has something that could fit. And she showed me, I think, two, three projects that she had shot, but had not used. And
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um,
1: I thought that was this one was the uh, best fit
0: yeah yeah and so so how like what's the balance like then because obviously um, for example, with that uh, magritte inspired painting um, before that was clearly um, painted for you and, and for the magazine what, what's the balance like between um, work that has been created for autodidact and work that you're publishing that has you know already been created for other stuff
1: So the most most of the content is uh, created specifically for autodidact. Mm-hmm. But um, here and there, there are, I mean, for example, paintings of Rodolfo Villa Plana. They're are like four meter paintings. Um, so these these are obviously been painted before, but then we just add, um, you know, something to it. Mm. So we uh, for example, what Tristan has written about Rodolfo, mm, mm. Uh, and then for example, there is a note by Edward Munch. Norwegian painter from hundred years ago, which I've used. Uh, obviously, yeah. that's not written specifically for together but
0: uh, <laughs> no, obviously. <yeah. laughs> but no, but that's that was another piece that really stood out for me, and I really liked the fact that you were just integrating this uh, historical piece. I think that it was originally written for a, a catalog accompanying a show or something. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. There was. Um, I mean, uh, he was he was exhibiting his uh, work. Um, in in the gallery in Oslo, hundred years ago, and the critics just didn't didn't pick on it. They, they just didn't understand it. Uh, and this is a series that's called Freeze of Life, and is it includes some of his most famous paintings, and now probably the most expensive paintings in the world. Mm. And then there is just this biting response by Munch, how his job, he was just the whole thing was misunderstood. Mm. Um, so that, I thought that was very interesting. And I quite like just bringing really old things and, you know, there's no obsession about me just, just doing new things. It's just like, I think it's just interesting to kind of reuse something that has otherwise been lost in history mm. from 100 years ago and how it can be relevant still.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so am I right in saying that, so this is issue two, it, am I right thinking that issue one came out about two years ago?
1: Correct. Yes. So about three years ago I started I decided to do the magazine. Then I approached my friend Siavash Eshke, who was the sub editor, and I asked him if he wants to join and he did. And so we just did a Kickstarter campaign and then launched the magazine two years ago. But then I really I wanted to publish it more often and then it just just many things happened and I realised it's just not doable with both having jobs and Keeping to keeping to certain deadline, and also I just came to a realization where it's just important because I have no one to answer to, and it all started this. I started the magazine as as kind of a project where I can just you know do what I want when I want, and I didn't really want to to be feel like a job Mm. so i just completely missed my deadline and just decided that it can be (laughs) a sporadic magazine yeah yeah that's why it took so long but that has its advantages and disadvantages Uh, advantages that i was focusing on making a better issue than the first that was the very important thing but the disadvantage was that sometimes somebody gives you some work and then it just gets too long and then they don't want it to be published again and that kind of thing. So.
0: Oh really? Okay. So the so that that's something that you came up against with with this issue.
1: Oh God! It was. Uh, it had gone to. I sent it to print, the second issue, and I just emailed all the contributors saying that i finally sent it to print. I'm so excited <laughs> to show you all, God. and I just got an email back that I don't want it to be. I don't want my book to be in the magazine anymore. <sighs> And uh, it was just like, after all this time, it's had gone to print. And so, but live and learn. It was a stressful few days, but I pulled it out of the printer and we tried to fill it for the pages.
0: Okay, okay. With some other content. Oh, jeez. So I mean, and I can imagine that that you were sending that email and you were so happy, you were so relieved. It was all finally done. And the response that comes back, okay, brings a little more work. I guess, I mean, this is something that, so I've never heard of that happening before. And I guess that it's something that you're more used to when there are commercial relationships. So, you know, like one of the big reasons that magazines have to come out and schedule is because there are advertisers paying to be in there and they might, you know, I'm sure that they want that to happen in a particular window of time. But so you found it even with, with editorial in this case.
1: No, absolutely. i mean, I mean, I was so surprised, and uh, but it was it was already too late. And I tried to convince him, but there was. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to push anyone. You know. No.
0: Of if course. they don't
1: want it, it's it's supposed to be. You know, everyone should be happy about what's coming out. So it was. Uh, we pulled it off, and you know, I guess if you can say everything happens for a reason, I think turned out probably better anyway. So. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just take too long to do things and then suddenly in course of a week you just, you know, you do something <laughs> else that, tells you that great.
0: I mean to be honest, this is sort of it's almost like the curse of making a magazine about mistakes, that you're kind of inviting <laughs> right. a big mistake to come in there. I mean the, like Oh
1: no, absolutely you know, you can't make an issue and on mistake and then just not embrace it yourself. So it was one of those things.
0: <laughs> and even
1: when it was like it was taking too long to get the issue out, and I just communicated with the, all the contributors, saying, "You know, if there's one mistake of land, <laughs> so I love it. it, was, I love uh, <laughs> it.
0: That authentic <laughs> commitment to mistakes. That's that's good.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So, so thinking a little bit more broadly about that, then, um, what would you do? with this magazine if you could do something differently so is there something that like, when you start working on issue 3 you know that you'd like to change from issue 2
1: um, I don't know specifically I mean uh, this issue is very different than the last but again that's just because I just can't unlock let it go and adapt to where I am and where the world is and what is happening uh, but specifically something different, I don't know. But I'm actually quite excited to see how, how the magazine evolves and how each issue is a little different than the last. And mm-hmm. that's something I try to really keep open. I don't want to stick to certain kind of um, structure or even categories or anything. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. some kind of idea, but I just kind of let it go. For example, this one with the mistake the graphics and the layouts is a lot braver than the last because I just had, I just had to adapt it to the theme. Mm, mm, mm. So just like that, it slowly try, it slowly changed, um, and I'm actually quite excited to see how the next one turns out because we haven't really decided on the theme yet.
0: Right, right. Um, so, where, when will you be starting to think about issue three then?
1: Uh, quite soon, quite soon, I think. Um, so probably this month or next, we're going mm-hmm. to start putting the theme together and then going after the content. And what, Try not to take this long for the next <laughs> issue. <laughs> when it, so it, it,
0: it comes when it comes, right? The, so what, what what sort of um, feedback do you get from an issue? Because so, obviously, you know, something like um, the issue taking so long to come out that contributors not want their piece to be in there, like that's very clear feedback to you and you know you want to change that. What about from readers? Do you get a sense of things that you've changed because of the way people respond to it?
1: I mean, uh, if I'm allowed to say, I'm, at, I'm I'm getting much better feedback on this one than the last. And I mean, again, that was a very important criteria that it has to be better. And, and I think the topic mistake is, uh, it's something that speaks to everyone. So it's very exciting to see actually people coming back to and giving us feedback is really nice on um, both contributors and readers.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Excellent, well I am really looking forward to seeing issue 3 at some point in the future uh, once you have uh, made time to, to put that together so, um, so good luck with that uh, and thanks again for taking the time to
1: talk. Thank you very much, thanks for having me Steve.
0: Okay, that's all for this week. I would like to say thanks again to Bardia for taking the time to speak with me. As I said in our discussion, I've been following Autodidact since it launched a couple of years ago. So I was really pleased to see the new issue come out and finally have the excuse to talk with him. If you'd like to see the magazine for yourself, go over to stackmagazines.com forward slash shop and search for Autodidact. And as well as the shop page, you'll also find a blog post for this episode. So you can see lots more pictures of the magazine. And remember, if you use the code podcast, you'll save 10% off the normal price of everything in our shop and our surprise subscriptions too. If this is the first time you're hearing our podcast, please do follow us wherever you get yours and we'll be able to keep on delivering them to you as soon as they're ready every Friday. Thank you very much for listening to this one and we'll be back with another episode next week.